Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by St. Louis Cardinals Baseball. Cardinal tickets are on sale now and start at $55. Details at cardinals.com slash holiday. Okay, three, two, one, hit it. It's the Chris and Amy Show. You know who it is. Also, if you didn't know, this is called the show. Now, Amy Marks pours Chris Ranji on KMOX. Uh, Good morning, friends. Wednesday, December 6th, 1995. Would it just be great if it were the 90s again? Oh my gosh. Uh, When you said 1995, I actually felt happier. Did you? (laughs) Did you really? Yeah. That was was good. The 90s were good to me. Oh man. I I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Oh. I mean, those were like the heydays because you're. Yeah, you're old enough to remember and have fun, but young enough (laughs) to totally be a kid. If you could pick a time, this isn't supposed to be the thing we start the show with. I know. I hope Steve's not listening. Nah, it doesn't matter. If you could yeah. go back to a time, and, and we shouldn't do that. It's really kind of silly to reflect and think, well, if I had my choice, I'd go back to this year or this era of my life because you want to move forward, you want to improve, you want to whatever. But if you could. Mm-hmm. You mean age-wise, age not, and era. Uh, well, I think you have to take your age with the era yes, that yes. you lived in. So. Yeah. If you had to pick. 10. 10 years old? 1993, 10 years old. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like, I know all of my friends are like, I wish I was 20 again. I was single. And we were going out. Nope. If I were 10, oh, I, I, oh, the happiness at age 10. Just life was so good. 10, 11, 12. Hmm. It was fun. For me? Yeah. Um, I would take 2023. I'm in my prime. <sighs> Gosh, no, you wouldn't. Let's... You would never take anything post-COVID. <laughs> oh, dude, post-COVID sucks. <laughs> I mean... I should actually say 2020. Take me back to June of 2020. Honestly, don't what? you think there's post-9-11 and then post-COVID? Those mm-hmm. are the two big posts in my, yeah. li- in my life. Oh, there's no question about yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, whatever. <laughs> Let's go back take to... Me. Take me back to the spring of 2020. Those were the times. I, I go, didn't have to talk to anybody. Yeah, I want to go back to where everything looked like sleepless <laughs> in Seattle. <laughs> uh, 314-436-7900. That's how you reach out to us. Text that number. Call that number. Leave a voicemail at this number, 314-944-1120. And if you like... You can actually, this is a demand. You have to. You have to follow us on social media at Chris Amy KMOX. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Well, if Donald Trump is elected president again, will he be a literal dictator? We'll get to that coming up here in a moment. And another inmate dies at the St. Louis City Justice Center, a.k.a. the city jail. It was an apparent suicide. It's the fourth death in four months 
at the CJC. Day three for Major League Baseball's winter meetings. Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne are both there covering what the Cardinals do and what they are planning to do. We will talk things over with Matt in the 12 o'clock hour today. That is all coming up. Also, we are going to give you some terrific tips on how you can avoid getting fired at your holiday party. Okay, I, your work holiday party, which is coming up. Julie Bauke will join us next hour. This is something that I really want to... You know how I always ask questions of doctors that are suspiciously Very s- specific? specific to you. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, if let's say you're a runner and you're going to see your mom and dad on Saturday and you get the <laughs> COVID vaccine on Wednesday. So, I mean, it's very specific. And your blood type is this. Yes. With this conversation with Julie Bauke about how not to get fired at the Christmas party, all of my questions will be specific to you. Mm. Because awesome. here's what's going to happen. You're so not going to the party. I'm not going to the party. I can't make it. But Ronj is and and... He's not working the next day. Oh, yeah. I'm off the rest of the week after. Yeah. It's awesome. So he said he's going to get sloshed. I didn't say I was, I did not say that. Also, the last work party we had. I said I was going to get loose. The, la- the last work party we had, <laughs> he tried to jump off the balcony. That is not entirely true. It is true. You climbed onto the couch. You I grabbed did. the wall and you threw one of your legs over the wall to I jump off the balcony. I did not go that far. And I wasn't trying to do anything to myself. I just thought maybe in the moment I could fly. (laughs) So we are... uh... (laughs) I was feeling good. I guess if you die, you can't get fired. That's exactly right. Here's a question. Yeah. If if it's my fault... Do I get the the the, the payout? Well, not if you're the dead. insurance payout. Well, no, there is a there's a a, a death thing. Oh yeah, like a life the insurance. Basic one? Yeah, the very basic. Yeah, one. I clicked on the basic one. Yeah, me too. No one's. A, I I know. I don't have any benefactors. So would Pam get some money? Yeah, she might. What Good do I? Pam. But, but hold, here's. But I don't know. It, oh. Is it if I do it intentionally? Do they have to pay out? Well, that's a great question. That's a great question for an insurer. This also feels kind of morbid. To talk about, but yes, if that happens, if they don't pay out, I can, I can probably say it was, um, one of the FM stations pushed you. Oh yeah. yeah. Thank you. That would be awesome yeah. if you did. You, maybe you could claim some of the money. You could say that it was traumatic for you. It would be. <laughs> I think I will because I'd be All sad. Right. Uh, so we wanted to start with this and. <laughs> did you want to start with this? <laughs> I didn't want to start with that. No, no, this, this next thing. Were yeah. you excited about this? Well, excited? I would not say I'm excited. People are on the edge of their seats. No, I know they really are. So uh, last night there was a town hall on Fox News and Sean Hannity was the host of it. And it was a, a, a Donald Trump town hall. And uh, everybody knows what a town hall is. The moderator asks questions and he gives his answers in front of a, a small uh, crowd. And that's pretty much what it was last night. He was asked a very specific question by Sean Hannity. And what I want to know is this, and this is not to say that I believe Donald Trump is going to be a dictator if he is reelected in 2024. I have more questions about the language and whether or not it is a big deal that he's talking like this. They want to call you a dictator. You use the words... I am your retribution. And now before that, you said if you've been wronged and you used other words as well. But I want to be very, very clear on this. To be clear, do you in any way have any plans whatsoever, if reelected president, 
to abuse power, to break the law, to use the government to go after people? You mean like they're using right now? So, in the history of our country, what's happened to us, again, has never happened before. Over nonsense, over nothing, made up charges. I often say Al Capone, he was one of the greatest of all time, if you like criminals. He was a mob boss, the likes of which Scarface, they call him. And he got indicted once. I got indicted four times. I wonder what my father and mother would say looking down. Okay. okay. Wait, <laughs> there was a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's, there, is a, there is a lot there. There's a and lot first there. of all, I fundamentally disagree with him that, uh, and I know there are a lot of people, mostly driven by him because he keeps saying it over and over again, that it's been, the government's being weaponized against him. I just, I'm sorry, um, I don't believe him. I think that you could make the argument that in New York, what's happening there, they probably have a special interest in really trying to get him on something because my guess is they've been trying for years to pin something on him, and this was an opportunity for them to do it. So you can make a good argument that's political. I don't believe the rest of these things are. There's too much smoke mm-hmm. with the uh, the Georgia uh, stuff and with the January 6th stuff, and you have people in his orbit that he hired mm-hmm. who are and have spoken out against him and will testify against him too. So I, I, I don't buy any of that stuff. Um, he has been pretty clear I feel like Amy, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but the tone of his speeches when he's talking to crowds, and it could be that he's just trying to rile them up and he doesn't really mean any of it, that he doesn't mean anything by what he says, but he is kind of talking about retribution and going after the people he feels like wronged him. He's Mm -hmm. been talking about MSNBC and going after that network um, if he's back in office. So is the language there dangerous or is it no big deal? No, it's bad. It is dangerous and it's dangerous because it has an effect on people. First of all, we know that he's obsessed with dictators and he has some dictatorial proclivities, like when he wanted to temporarily suspend the Constitution or have Mike Pence not certify the Electoral College. He's always pushing the boundaries constitutionally. He sees... In his mind, the Constitution as a hindrance, like, well, this is unnecessary because he's always been able to bend the rules. From the time he was born, no one's ever told him no. No one's ever told him the rules apply to him. So now as a president, the rules still don't apply to him. So, yes, that matters. Now, you could say, well, he's not really going to become a dictator because our institutions will hold because the Constitution won't let him become a dictator. Fine. I'll listen to that argument, but it does rile up. His base and what it does, we saw actions on January 6th. We see people take things seriously and literally, and it's a bad message to send. And when you have someone who is most likely going to be the Republican nominee for president and could, could be president, it's not. It's not far-fetched to think of him as president again. To have him using that language, yeah, it matters. I've said this the entire time. I've said this with Biden. I said it with Trump. I said it with Obama. I said it with our leaders in the Senate and in the House. Your words matter when you're a leader. They just do. You can't just say, oh, he's just joking around. No, that I'm sorry, you can't. You're the president or you're a presidential nominee. So let's let's go a few minutes later. 
And this is Hannity, who, to his credit, was really trying to pin him down on an answer. I want to go back to this one issue, though, because the media has been focused on this and attacking you under no circumstances. You are promising America tonight. You would never abuse power as retribution against anybody. Except for day one. Except for? He's going to prison. Except for day one. Meaning? I want to close the border and I want to drill. That's drill, not a that's, drill. That's not, oh, no. that's not retribution. I got I'm it. gonna be I'm gonna be, you know, he keeps <laughs> we love this guy. He says, You're not gonna be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border and we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator. So that, okay? that, that sounds to me like you're going back to the policies <laughs> when you were president. So, okay, if, if he's what I wish he would have said in that moment is, no, dictator, come on. It, that's that's a silly term. This is a presidency. It's democratic. I'm not I'm not going to be a dictator. But I I go to what you said a moment ago, that words matter, especially if you're a leader like him who has the attention he has. I think you have to be very careful. I think you should not even allow the idea to be entertained. Mm-hmm that you could potentially see yourself as that, that you could put people in place who will do your bidding and have nobody push back against you like you had in your last administration. I think that in itself is a very bad thing. I think that's dangerous. That's not to say that he's going to be a dictator, and and, and I've heard people defend him today and last night saying, well, he didn't. That's he's talking about drilling, and he's talking about mm-hmm. closing the border. He doesn't mean being a literal, actual dictator. Well, then don't leave any room for debate on it. Say absolutely no. I'm not a dictator. I'm trying to win your vote. And even if he's not going to be a dictator, let's just say he's going to exercise the ever-expanding powers of the executive branch. Now, you talk about a branch that is bloated and overstepping. To say something like that is so unimaginative, myopic, and short-sighted because here's the thing. Let's say everyone's so excited. We need the border closed. I'm, he's going to do it uh, by fiat. He is the executive uh, branch and he's going to take action, whatever it is, pen and phone, call it what you want. Okay, fine. Guess what? He'll be gone. Would you want AOC to do the same thing or Elizabeth Warren? Because if it's great when Trump does it, well, then President Elizabeth Warren or President AOC or whoever it is, Kamala Harris can say, you know what? This is really important to me. I'm going to reopen the border because this is an emergency. I'm going to what whatever it may be, fill in the blank, their own agenda. Don't you see by saying that the power is okay for your side, you are necessarily granting that power to the other side. I don't know how you can be so short-sighted as to not see that. That's why you have the tedious, cumbersome, slow movement of constitutional processes. 314-436-7900 to call or text voicemails at 314-944-1120. Chris and Amy on KMOX. Oh no, joke! I had. Are a, you allowed to say that? Yeah, my I'm the de- not the dentist here. My oh. dentist in Chicago. His name is Jack Ruby. Because <laughs> okay, because no, you know no he joke. killed Lee Harvey Oswald. No, it's not different. It's a different Jack Ruby. No, I don't know. <laughs> that guy's dead. <laughs> you know, it's a different Jack Ruby. But I was just saying, it's kind of a 
a cool name, which is a terrible thing to say, but it is. Jack Ruby is like, hey. but I know. <laughs> but that's Ronge's dentist. Yeah, I think he's retired now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, when I, when I was living up there, I after, went to. After he killed Lee Harvey Oswald, he decided to pursue dentistry. That's right. He's a right, great dentist to right some wrongs. Great. We're not. Dentist. That is not the Jack Ruby. In and case people what, are listening, just, that's a joke. Jack what, Ruby's dead. What's really funny about it is uh, Steve Stone is a baseball broadcaster. Yeah. He was on the Cubs broadcast on TV for a long time. You know, when the game was on, yeah. he would occasionally reference his dentist, Jack Ruby. And I thought, what in the hell? This is when I first moved up there. Yeah. I'm like, there's a Jack. Why does he keep talking about this Jack Ruby fella? And then uh, years later, ended how, up. How old is your dentist, Jack Ruby? Do you know? Do you think he was? I think he's in his 70s, but I don't know how. So he was probably born. So my, it's 53. He'd be 70. So let's say he was born in 52, 53. He'd have been a child when, when all that yeah, happened. Yeah, I bet his parents were like, gosh, oh, darn come it. On. <laughs> Maybe he's in his sixties. I don't. I don't really know. But if there's he were a possibility. Born in 53, 54, you gotta think his parents are like, oh my god. Speaking, <laughs> Amy. Speaking of the Kennedys. Oh yeah. Um. So Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, RFK Jr. was on Jesse Waters' show. I think it was last night, and Jesse Waters asked him if he had ever flown on uh, Jeffrey Epstein's plane. Oh. You weren't ever on Jeffrey Epstein's jet, were you? Yeah, I was on Jeffrey Epstein's jet two times. I was on it uh, in 1993, and I was on it in, and I went to Florida with my wife and uh, two children to visit my mom over Easter. Um, my my wife had some kind of relationship with Glenn Maxwell and. They offered us a ride to Palm Beach, so I went then, and then on another occasion, I flew again with my family, with I think four of my children, and um, and uh, and Mary, my wife, to Rapid City, South Dakota, to go fossil hunting for a weekend, and. Uh, but other, otherwise, I was I was never on his jet alone. I you know I've been very open about this from the beginning. This was in '93, so it was 30 years ago. It was before anybody knew about Jeffrey Epstein's uh, you know his nefarious issues. I, I got a lot about that to say, but first of all, he sounds awful. So he I sounds know, terrible. I didn't know he sounded like that all the time. I didn't either. I. It's bad. Yeah, and you know what it sounds like? It sounds like I imagine if John Kennedy were still alive at 110 or whatever well, he'd be, that's what he would sound like. Does he have a condition that that's why know. he sounds like that? Because uh, he, it's, it sounds like he's un, very, very unwell, but maybe he has a condition. John Kennedy was really sick. Like, he had all kinds of stuff. He had yeah. the bad back. He had, I think he had malaria once, um, which which messed with his health. He had all You're talking about JFK. Of, yeah, he had all sorts of health issues. No one ever calls him John Kennedy. I was like, who's John Kennedy? Do I have to Kennedy? say the F every time? Yes. Well, F. I don't know. <laughs> John Yeah, man, F he, had all, he had all yeah. kinds. He had like a liver thing. He was a mess. He was on Epstein's plane, but it was to go fossil hunting with his family. Well, I don't think that everybody who hung out with Jeff Epstein... 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Did that, right? I don't know. Oh, God, I hope not. That's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji on KMOX. Chris and Amy on KMOX. A little bit of breaking news that just happened in the last couple of minutes. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, former Speaker of the House, announced in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal that he is leaving Congress at the end of the year, which is not totally surprising. I mean, the way things have gone for him. But Well, and as you asked, which was the question I had, did we know this? It's (laughs) yeah, it it feels like like, did he he already announce that? Is this? Yeah. Is this just confirming something we knew was going to happen? I don't think so. But it can it seems like it was going to happen eventually. But um, yeah, he's he is leaving Congress. So. No longer Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy will be done at the end of the year, he says. Also, want to mention this. The inaugural Give Back Trivia Night is January 5th, and it's at the Moolah Shrine Center. Tables for 10 are 200 bucks, so it's 20 bucks a person. A a significant portion of the proceeds go toward making a positive impact at SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital's uh, Tree of Hope campaign, which facilitates crucial programs essential to a child's recovery. So you can reserve your tables at kmox.com slash events. It's a really good cause. It's very meaningful, and it's inexpensive, and it's a lot of fun. Um, it's on a Friday night, January 5th. And so, and as our boss really wants you to know. Yeah, you have nothing to do Nobody in January. Nobody has anything to do in January. No, what is it? You went to you had New Year's, and then now there's nothing to look and forward to until spring training. Oh, I just think of how miserable February is going to be. Oh, you know, isn't brutal. February the worst month? So really, this is the perfect time to do this, January. People, people need something to look forward to in January. Because there's nothing. Because there's, I mean, January 1, that's yeah. it. That's the only good day in January. Let's go to the Quiver River Electric guest line for the first time this morning. Amy, we bring in Tara Frazier, child abuse pediatrician, Division of Child Adversity and Resilience, Associate Program Director of the Child Abuse Pediatric, uh, Pediatrics Fellowship Program, and uh, with us from the UMKC School of Medicine. Tara, we appreciate your time today. Thank you for visiting with us. Yeah, my pleasure. And the reason we are having you on is that in the state of Missouri, there has been a huge rise in fentanyl poisonings amongst kids and sleep-related deaths. What is going on here? Well, you know, a couple of different things. You mentioned both of those, and they're not related to each other. They're really two two separate things. Um, And part of the goal of the, the child fatality review panels, each county has a panel and then there's the state panel is, is to do just that, to try to figure out what's going on here because um, the leading factors may be a little bit different from place to place. Let's talk about the issue with fentanyl because I think there's confusion regarding fentanyl, how and when it can hurt somebody who's not exactly, who's not, mm-hmm. Uh, directly taking a drug 
that has it in there. Like fentanyl can affect those around the drug itself. Right. So, you know, for these deaths, so it is a child directly taking the drug. Now they weren't prescribed the medicine, right? They, um, we call it an unintentional poisoning um, for most of these because the child gains access to fentanyl that's in their care environment. And being children, um, you know, most of these fentanyl poisonings are in young children, Um who are unintentionally getting it and don't even know what it is. And like most young children, they put things in their mouth and, and that's how they ingest the fentanyl. The other group is um, teens who may be taking it intentionally um, without intending to harm themselves or who may be um, taking it with the intent to um, commit suicide. Uh, so then following up on that with the fentanyl right now, the children's deaths, they all ingested the fentanyl. It wasn't from touching it or physically coming into contact with it other than ingestion. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, I don't have the specific case details for all of these. One of the things that we really strive to do um, when looking at the child fatality review data is um, provide some confidentiality. And so there is that data, but I don't have that data. But what I can tell you is the vast majority, the fentanyl gets in their system often through um, contact with the mouth and some type of ingestion. You know, maybe they get it on their fingers and then they put their fingers in their mouth or, you know, there's contact in their environment. But for most of these kids, it's ultimately um, that ingestion route. Yeah, and I've I've heard from um, a, a number of different people who know substances, and they say that fentanyl you can't really, you know, can't really hurt you if you just touch it. That it, it's got to be ingested some way. So if it if it gets into your mouth or or something else, then you've you've got a problem. So is it for a child? Is it more likely that that you know they can touch something and it can affect them just by virtue of being a child and not an adult? Is it more affecting to them? No, um, you know, not generally through absorption through the skin or just generally touching it. And again, if they okay. touch it, that substance is then on their hands or that substance mm-hmm. is on their bottle or their pacifier. You know, children, um, you know, they're, they're great spreaders of things as we see with viruses in the same way. You know, if there's a substance in their environment that's getting on their toys, on um, you know, their bottles, pacifiers, hands, that often then makes its way to their mouth because children um, are such, we call them oral explorers, you know, everything goes to the mouth. If this is something that we are seeing, we're seeing a rise in deaths uh, because of fentanyl, we're seeing that rise of deaths in children, what action can be taken? What action is being taken, whether it's pediatricians or speaking to legislators to try to take steps to prevent more deaths, uh, more child deaths from fentanyl? This is a problem, not just in Missouri, but nationwide. And so there are lots of um, lots of actions being taken Um, at the federal level. There's increased um, you know, regulations around opioid prescribing to try to reduce the amount of opioids that are out there. Um, there are, you know, within Missouri, the Department of Mental Health, um, the Department of Health and Human Services, um, you know, 
the Department of Social Services, you know, all of the executive departments, all, most executive departments really do have um, at least some sort of efforts to address um, opioid use, opioid access, um, prevention efforts. You know, hospitals are encouraging parents to use lockboxes or caregivers, you know, for all medicines, but particularly reminding them of the dangers of, of fentanyl and having that out, reminding caregivers to be vigilant. You know, maybe they don't have fentanyl in their environment, um, but when they're visiting other people's houses to be diligent, you know, in the same way that we encourage parents to ask if there are any guns in the household, you know, are there any medications? Are, is there fentanyl? Um, you know, where are people's purses stored? Are they where children can access them, um, really trying to remind people that the same types of safety precautions that they should think about for the poisons and chemicals under their sink, they should really think about, you know, making sure that any medicines, particularly fentanyl, are up and out of reach and to not underestimate the ability of children to explore their environment um, and to get into things. So I think that's one of the really important things. One of the other initiatives um, is just making access to naloxone, or it's commonly known as Narcan, making that available publicly and, and really decreasing the stigma around substance use disorders um, so that, you know, the goal is really for naloxone to be widely available. So anytime anyone sees um, someone who they think might have ingested opioids, they can take action. Again, much like we have AEDs um, in public places so that if you see someone that you think is in cardiac arrest, you can take action. You know to call 911, you know to start CPR, and you know to go grab that automatic defibrillator. And so trying to increase awareness around fentanyl and opioids so that, again, should you see someone who's unresponsive, think opioids. You know, think activating 911, make sure you're starting CPR and try to get some naloxone to them as soon as possible because that can help reverse the um, the respiratory depression and, and nervous system effects that that opioid um, and fentanyl is having on that person and particularly children. Last thing I want to ask you before we uh, let you go here, there is another thing that is becoming more of an issue or for whatever reason has been and was in 2022. There were more unintentional deaths of, of, of children by suffocation or strangulation in the crib. That was, there were 79 of them. That is more than car accidents. What is happening and what do parents need to do to keep their kids safe while they sleep? You know, they really need to remember that the best place for a child to sleep is alone on their back, on their own sleep surface. You know, many, many of these deaths occur when the child is sharing a sleeping surface, so in the bed with a caregiver. That child really needs their own sleep surface, no matter how good your intentions are and how good you think you're going to be at being aware of the child. Parents, caregivers are exhausted during those early months of a child's life, and it's really easy for the child to get turned, you know, to roll slightly so that they're not getting good air for their airway to get compromised. Um, and so giving that child their own 
firm sleep surface without any blankets or bedding or stuffed animals or pillows. They want to be alone on their back on their own firm sleep surface. That's the the ABCs, alone, back, and crib, are really the best ways to help keep babies safe during sleep. And so basically just a fitted sheet, that's it, nothing else. Just the, just the fitted sheet, nothing else. They, there are some great um, sleep sacks. You know, if parents are worried about the baby being cold, um, there are various sleep sacks for the different developmental stages of the babies. You want it to be lightweight. Um, and that's all a baby needs. Put them in a, you know, a little fleece onesie. You don't want them to get over overheated. Um, so looking at those, we don't want weighted blankets or anything like that. Um, truly, Babies are meant to wake up frequently, and oh, I've been there. It's exhausting as a parent, but um, you know that's what babies do. And so, I think acknowledging that it's normal for a baby to wake—that's actually a healthy baby—is one who wakes up several times during the night. Um, so, keeping them in that safe environment. Tara Frazier, child abuse pediatrician, uh, child abuse pediatrics fellowship program professor at UMKC School of Medicine. We appreciate your time and the information today. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a great day. Also, a good resource for information is safesleep.mo.gov. That is safesleep.mo.gov. It's Amy Marks, Kors, and Chris Ranji on KMOX. It's wonderful. It's incredible. It's the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. you got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Ronj, I don't know if you saw this, but I would would be frustrated, I guess. Brad... Brad Pitt is making an F1 movie. I love Brad Pitt. Yeah, and do you like F1? Yeah. You know what? This is controversial, but I like F1 more than I like NASCAR. But I don't is really that controversial. I think yeah, most people, people are, in I the world a... like F1 more. Well, yeah, than you're I American. Like you're supposed to like NASCAR. You're supposed to like mm. stock car racing, but I like I like IndyCar. I never watched NASCAR. I think anyway. the F1 cars are cooler. Well, yeah, obviously. Sorry. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, so he, Brad Pitt, made this F1 movie, but all the sponsorships of the cars and everything in the movie have changed since he filmed most of the vast majority of the film. So now legally, they're unsure if they can use the footage. So they're going to have to, at least right now, they believe scrap most of the movie that they filmed that will cost them at least... Um, millions and millions of dollars because they already spent $20 million building full-grid replica of F1 cars. And they can't use those cars and the footage because all the sponsorships have changed and they're not sure if, like, I don't think legally we can use this. So right now it's on hold and they might have to film the whole movie over again. And if they have to, they might just scrap it. Wouldn't that be frustrating? Yeah, I don't understand why you can't just use the the old uh, sponsors. Why is that a big deal? I I don't it's know. It's just a movie. It's not actual advertising, right? Or am I seeing this the wrong way? No. 
I don't I don't know. Uh, it's a film crews were present at the 2023 British Grand Prix. Hmm. They shot several scenes on the track and in the paddock over the course of the weekend. And then all of these other sponsorships have changed. So I'm not I'm not really sure why this would be an issue. You would think that this would happen all the time. You would think maybe they could use CGI. Yeah, you would think so. To change some of the sponsorships. Hey, did you see, uh, you know, Nick Cannon, who was, uh, he was in the studio. He was in the office, what, about three months ago for some reason? He was in town. Um, you see how much he spends? He told a podcast that he spends on his children because he's got like a dozen of them. Mm-hmm. Um, how much per year do you think he spends at Disneyland? 200000 that's exactly the number. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm not kidding. He says he spends 200 G's at Disneyland oh, every year on his kids. Wow. What? Chris and Amy on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.